So for the last several weeks, I bumped into a scripture a little while back. I think pastor was teaching on it a little bit, and then I kind of, for whatever reason, read on that night, and it just blew up on the page for me. And, and then here about a week ago, I, I listened to a message that that Jeremiah Johnson taught, and, and ever since then, it's like God has just been, and, and even last week, if you, if you were here, pastor prayed that the Holy Spirit would perform surgery on our hearts. And I feel like I've been on the, the operating table all week. And, and you know, the, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. And, and I taught a message a long time back. That basically, God can lay open, and he can take your mind, will, emotions, and separate them from the Spirit of God and lay that difference out. And if you, if you dig into the Word and you ask the Holy Spirit to do this, you'll start seeing the differences in your mind, will, emotion, your soul, versus what your spirit has on the inside of it. And you'll see where the clashes are. And, and then that allows God an opportunity to remove those things that don't glorify him, remove those things that are hindering him from moving in your life. And I feel like with all that's going on in the world right now, there is just so much out there between COVID and the fear of it and, and the, the political corruption that's going on. We're seeing a lot of stuff about pedophilia going on. It's just horrendous what's going on out there. And, and it's, it's like the whole world just seems to be closing down. And, and if you're not careful, you can start having thoughts of, oh, my gosh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Well, so what if? So what if? And, and so we need to not allow that stuff to get in and start to pollute our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, because then it begins to hinder our spirit. We can't, we can't jive in unity with ourselves even. There's a war within ourselves. Or we do know what's right, and we do know what's wrong, and we do know the Word of God, and we do know the end result, and we do know the answer to these people's problems, and they're ranting and raving and spewing out all this crap all over social media and things like that, and it just you start reading that and post after post. I mean, and Facebook anymore is, is not anything family-related. I mean, one out of 100 posts might have a picture of something some family did. The rest of it's political, about Black Lives Matter, or uh, the COVID thing, or the pedophilia thing, or the political corruption going on about mail-in voting and all these things going on. And, and you start to read some of that, and it can really aggravate you. Because you know what's right. You know what's right in here, and you know what's wrong. And it's, I just would love sometimes to reach through there and just backhand some people. You know, just slap them silly, because they, they got it coming. And it would, and it, and you're, but my hope would be that, you know, while slapping them silly and screaming and holler at them, somehow they would come to the light and come to the knowledge through that, you know. And I'm sure, you know, if, if you were on the wrong side of the fence and somebody was beating the tar out of you and screaming and hollering at you, that would really want you to make you come over to their side and join them, right? I mean, especially from a Christian view, you know, you're going to start shoving scriptures out there and, and, and do it in a mean fashion. I'm sure they're, they're really excited to want to come over and learn about Jesus and, and get saved and come to the knowledge and quit going down the route they're going. So if you're like me, and now, now everybody here is going to leave and go look at my Facebook page and, and see how mean I've been and some of the things I've said, and you're all going to be like, see, he's all screwed up. You're right, I am. But, but I have been, especially this last week, trying to figure out how do I deal with this stuff? Because these people, some of these people are messed up. They're, they're blinded. They're deceived. They don't know that they don't know. But to argue with them doesn't do any good. You know, the Bible says to argue with a fool, you're a fool. You're not doing any better than they are. If you're just going to sit there and spout off and get angry, and it's not going to do any good. So how do we begin to overcome that? So then I kind of have an attitude of, well, forget it, you know. Let them go. I'm, I'm not worried about it. I know where this is going. I know the end result. Well, that doesn't really work either. God isn't impartial or God is impartial let me say that correctly he doesn't I'm not somebody special 
I'm not, since I'm, I'm saved, born again, a chosen child of God, as we might try and call it, just because they're not doesn't mean that we don't care about them, that they need to just, fine, go have your results. So, so how do we deal with that? What do we do with that? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as I've tried to put this together, you're going to ask my wife. She gets frustrated with my frustrations, I'm sure. Because I just, I told her last night as I'm sitting there, I went off just to go get quiet. And my spirit is just stirring within me. And it's just boiling within me. And I know this is in here, and I just don't know how to put it on paper. I don't know how to get it out. And I start going one direction, and it just goes tank. It just goes nowhere. And I think, oh, this maybe is the direction. And it goes tank. And, and I figured out why, but we'll get into that. So bear with me as we stumble our way through this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Let me get there, too. Maybe I should do that part as well. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what he's talking about here is, is vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. So if anyone cleanses himself from dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We hear that one all the time, right? And that's what we desire to be. Flee also from youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Do we need to explain that? Anytime you get into one of those little disputes on Facebook, what happens? A fight. It's strife. You're mad at that person. They're mad at you. If you really let it go, you'll start saying some really dumb stuff and start calling names. It might even get personal. Now, all of a sudden, their family is just a bunch of idiots, and you're going to lead your family down to, down a pit to hell. I mean, just it gets dumb if we just let it go. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do their will. So we see here kind of the whole thing laid out, you know, that some of these people, you know, let's bring up a neat name that I'm sure everybody loves, like the Nancy Pelosi's. Heaven forbid I get political, right? I'm not going to get political on you here this morning, but a lot, of, a lot of people don't like that gal. And I've seen a lot of really, really hateful comments about her. And while I would like to say some of them and, and sometimes want to jump up and down and say hoorah when I read some of them because they really got her, she's still a creation of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to just all of a sudden lay down and be nice and put up with whatever. No, that's not right either. But it definitely means we don't need to be butthead. Can I use that word? We don't need to be a jerk about it. And quite frankly, we see here that that's not going to do us any good. But with humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So how do we go about doing that? How do you go about trying to talk to somebody? What are the characteristics of the right way to speak to somebody about this stuff. So jump over with me to James chapter 3. And this is the scripture that I've been hung up on. James chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Everybody want to raise your hand? It's a trick question. Don't do it. Now, we are to be wise. We have the wisdom of God. And when you're born again, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells within you. The same mind that is in Christ, let that mind be in you also. That wisdom of God is a free gift to you. It is within you. You are made to be wise. You've been created to be wise. So, yes, I'm setting you up, so don't, still don't raise your hand. But I'm just saying we are that to be that way. So let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. There's just so much good stuff here. I could spend hours on this, but we're not going to. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. 
In other words, if you have envy and self-seeking in your heart and you try to act wise or talk wise or think that you're talking wise, you're lying against the truth. Make sense? We'll see why and see how here as we get into this. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. We all love to be labeled demonic, don't we? (laughs) But I think we're going to see here, and myself included, how some of the things that I say and do are demonic. They're not not that I'm demon-possessed, but the, the, the generator of it, the motive behind it, comes from a demonic source a worldly source, a sensual source, and a demonic source. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Boy, start thinking about politics today. Envy and self-seeking. And now we have all kinds of confusion and all kinds of evil running rampant in this nation. If that isn't a scripture being played out before our eyes right now, Nothing is. And it is the absolute truth. There are so many politicians that are self-seeking their own desires, their own will, their own pleasures, and it causes an opportunity for every evil thing to exist and confusion to exist. And there's so much confusion. What is right? What is wrong? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Should we... Be taking tests? Are the tests right? Are they wrong? You know, there's just all this confusion. It seems like every other day you see something, oh gosh, that whole thing was wrong. And now they're, now they're saying this. Well, which direction do we turn? It's confusing as can be. <clears throat> and then every evil thing exists. Well, here comes another confusing scenario, and I'm going to make a big stink out of this one. And so all of a sudden now we've got riots, protests, destruction of government property going on, left and right. I'm not condoning, I'm not condemning. So don't misread me this morning. That's not my point. I'm just saying it's playing out before our eyes, this scripture right here. There is destruction and, 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 and things falling apart quickly because evil is running rampant. And... Let's, let's look at envy and self-seeking because sometimes we know what those words mean, but I think when we define them sometimes we start to realize how very close to home they do hit and sometimes how we are more guilty of these things than we want. In, in Timothy back there, it, it speaks of bitter envy. And here we're talking about envy. Or I'm sorry, is this the one that says, yes, this is the one. In in verse 14 it says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie. So what is bitter envy and what is self-seeking? Bitter envy would be a severe, severe, painful, or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a severe desire to possess that same advantage. So envy is a desire seeing that someone has something better, an advantage over you, and, and, and desiring to have that. Uh, bitter envy adds a severity to it. Bitterness adds a severity to things. It it's, becomes almost consuming. And, and so we, we see that. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to want what some others have sometimes and to see that they're, they're blessed with this and they have that and even people that are corrupt or it's like how do they get into that position how do they receive them things that don't seem right i should have that well i'm i'm doing my part to serve god and whoops wait a minute i just got into envy and and it's real easy to accidentally trickle over into that self-seeking seeking only to further one's own interest so sometimes we aren't necessarily in everything that we say and we do is it fully motivated by self-seeking. But sometimes it has just a little bit of that in there, don't it? Sometimes we respond to something or to someone, not with just the motive to correct it according to the word of God and according to God's heart, but, but what if through that we think, see, if this person would just recognize how smart I am, if this person would just see that that I've spent a lot of time studying the word of God and I 
look how I can just pull these scriptures. If that's in there with it, there's self-seeking in there. So let's go on. Verse 17. So here it is. Here's the answer right here. One verse holds the answer to all of this. It's really this simple. It's pretty loaded, though. So let's, let's go for a ride. But the wisdom that is from above, God's wisdom, right? God's wisdom is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So there it is. If we want to speak wisdom, we want to start talking about, like back in 2 Timothy, the type of wisdom that will pull people to a place of understanding, a a wisdom spoken in humility that could bring them to a place of understanding that they might have the opportunity to be loosed from that delusion, loosed from that misunderstanding, loosed from the grips of even Satan himself as they were talking, they become Sometimes they become pawns of him, not even recognizing how deceived they are. And they're doing evil works and self-seeking works, and they think they're right. They're sold out to this thing, and they don't even know how far off they've become. You know, let's get... I'm going to leave that alone. There are things out there that are so far from the things of God. And they are so sold out into believing that it's A-OK. Right? And I'm sure you guys have plenty of them in there. I'm just not going to mention any. And it's just like my mind just goes, Till, how can you get so far away from him, your creator? And I think there's got to be deep down in there a shred of something left telling them that's not right. But they push it aside. They push it aside. But I'm telling you, it's in there. I just know it's in there. So how do you pull that out? Well, getting into a fight with them, arguing with them, slamming scriptures down their throat ain't going to do it. It's right here. The wisdom of God, the wisdom from hell, let's try that again. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So let's just look at a couple of these things. It is first pure. You could wrap the rest of them up right underneath this. We'll, we'll define the other ones quickly, but this is the one that really counts. The definition of pure. There's lots of different definitions to it, but the one that applies here, in my opinion, that best fits this, unmixed with other matter. It's as simple as that. It's God's wisdom is first pure. It is unmixed with other matter. So if we want to go and speak God's wisdom, which is the kind of stuff that can bring knowledge to someone and set them free, we cannot mix it with other matter. Just a little fleck of self-seeking will make a mess out of it. Just a little hint of pride stuck in there will make a mess out of it. If we splash a little self-motivation in there, I want to do this because I want this person to turn this way because then that will benefit me down the road. Or I'm going to say these things. I want to get up here and preach to you this morning. This is what's going through my mind as I'm preparing this message. I, I see ten different ways I could go, and it's like, well, that's me. I could go that way. I'm coming up with a message. What good does it do? It's mixed. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I can't. I can't mix this. It's, it's got to be first pure. If I'm mixing something else with it, if I want to get up here and preach an awesome message that's going to make you feel all good about yourselves and you'll pat me on the bat out on my back, you'll pat me on the back on the way out today and say, what a great message. I really feel great. I could do that. I could come up with something like that. And, and I'll be preaching the word. So it's, it's God. It's God's wisdom. But... If there was a little bit of motivation for a slap on the back in there, it's mixed. It's not pure. It no longer can have the same effect. Heaven's wisdom is then peaceable or peace-loving. Peace brings a state of security, a state of order. Are your comments on social media 
or to your liberal friend or whoever it might be, are they a peace? Do they bring peace to their heart? Well, that's not why I said it. I wanted to stir them up. I wanted to peeve them off. That was my goal. I was trying to get at them, right? Yeah, I do that too. Don't get me wrong. My mouth spouts off sometimes and I go, whoa, that wasn't peace. Number three, the third one in there, gentle, or in another version it says considerate. Given to careful consideration, thoughtful of the rights and feelings of others. The only thought sometimes I give to someone else's feelings is how I want to hurt them, right? I want to hurt that person's feeling because they need it. They need, they need to be brought low and put to shame. So they can be in a position to pull their head out of their, you know what. Just being real. And I'm sure everybody in this room has had that opportunity that you've wanted to help someone remove their head from their backside. Maybe it's just me. Is it considerate? If it's not considerate, it's mixed. Number four. Willing to yield, or another version uses submissive. Oh, we don't like that word, do we? Submissive. God's wisdom is submissive. What do you mean? Willing to yield, submissive. Sometimes you just got to shut up. It isn't going to do you any good. And sometimes if you just sit back and listen for a little bit, they'll run out of stuff to say. Just let them get it out of their system. Does God ever interrupt you when you're throwing a hissy fit? Not usually. Sometimes. He deals with me in some pretty sarcastic ways because I respond well to sarcasm. But that's just me. But overall, he's a gentleman. He's not going to backhand you when you need backhanded. You just don't do that. He's not going to help you remove your head from your backside if you've gone done pushed it up there so we need to learn to be that way and that's probably the one that hits me the one of the hardest is how do you be how do you sit in one of those situations and submit to them submit to the submit to be willing to sit back and listen the next one Full of mercy. Full of mercy. Mercy is compassion. We know that. God's merciful. He has compassion. But it's shown especially to an offender. Oh, that precious word, offended. How sick I am of the word. I'm offended. That offends me. Everything offends everybody today. Right? I'm tired of it. That would be one that I could really lose it on and get into the flesh on when I hear people say, that offends me. Oh, get over it. See, that's how I'd like to say it. But will that really help them? No. (laughs) So I have a lot of work yet to do. I'm sure you guys got this one down. But it's compassion showing, especially to the offender. And so... We need to be merciful with our words when we speak to someone that has offended us, someone that says something against what we believe and what we believe is right. You know, there are, there are some saying that God is okay with abortions. He would be okay with that. That offends me. That hurts. It doesn't even offend me as much as it hurts my heart because I, I can just imagine how that grieves the Father. So how can I respond mercifully to that person? Because if I just lose it, scream and holler, what do you do? I, I remember back in the days when you were growing up and maybe a parent would just get mad and start screaming and hollering. Does that ever sink in real well? Not usually. When somebody starts getting mad and just screaming and hollering at you, usually we can pretty easily throw up a wall and it just goes blank, right? We do that, and it's... So what good is it if we just lose it on someone? But if we respond with mercy, we respond with compassion, that tears down walls. 
Proverbs 25, 21, 22 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if, you are, if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For, for so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. You know, I always like that scripture because it's like, yeah, if you do good to your enemy, you can heap coals of fire on your head and you get them. Well, that's, wait a minute. I don't think that fits it. But what about coals of fire? What, what did they always use back? So put yourself back in the Bible times of when Proverbs would have been written. What did they have coals of fire for? It's a refining process. They put metal in fire to refine it, to remove the impurities, to be able to make a, a weapon or a tool that would be useful for the master through that process. So when we're generous, when we show compassion, when we show mercy to someone who has offended us, we heap coals of fire upon their head. It's not that we're getting them. You know, it's not a backdoor to backstab someone. That's not the motivation behind it. But it provides an opportunity for God to refine them, to remove those things out of their life that don't belong, and to bring clarity to them that they might grab a hold of that understanding and repent for whatever that reason might be that they're in offense towards you. Oh, how I need coals of fire heaped upon my head at times to refine me, to remove those things that aren't right, that are impure, that are mixed. Good fruits. Heaven's wisdom is good fruit. Fruit. Obviously, there's fruit that you eat. The other definition of fruit is the effect or consequence of an action. What effect are your words having? What consequences are going to be rendered if you open your mouth? You know, are they good or are they bad? Proverbs 18.21, one of my favorite scriptures, and in the Message Bible it says it best, words kill... Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That scripture is just as plain, outright as it can be. Your words are going to kill or your words are going to get life. There's no in-between. It's either life or death that you're speaking. It's either poison or fruit, and you get to choose. You have the opportunity to choose whether you'll speak life back to that person something that might produce in their life, might bring them to a place of repentance, might produce godly uh, repentance in their life, whatever that might be, godly forgiveness. Or you can speak death, start spouting off, and it'll just drive them further, further away from God, especially if they know your Christian background. Think about that. They know you run around and say things about Christianity you look at my Facebook post, there ain't much on there about Christianity up till here recently. And I think a big part of that was, is I don't know if I could back it up with a hoot. My life really warranted me to sit there and say some things. You get what I'm saying? I, I don't want people to come up and go, wait a minute, you're doing this? And you post that? These two don't jive. See, there's another one of them hypocrites want to sound all good and fancy on social media. But I'm a work in progress. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get rid of those mixed things that I've put in my way that are hindering God and get those out of my life because I want to represent purity. I want to represent God. I want to be able to say something that will help someone. How many times did Jesus get confronted by the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were purposely trying to get him, and they would come at him with literally, literally trick questions to try and confuse him, make him stumble in his words, and every time he would respond with something that just shut him up. They couldn't say nothing. He had an answer every time. That's the wisdom of God. That's how I want to be able to respond to people. Yes, I want to shut them up. See, now there's another one. i got to get that out of there. But I want to respond in a way that, that, that they go, I can't argue that. And that's what God wants to do. And he will start to do that, but he needs vessels of honor that he can use to start speaking those things. 
He needs vessels that are pure, that are unmixed with all of this other jargon in the world, unmixed with all of these other things of the flesh or pride of life or the lust of the eyes, all these other things that the world has to offer. They've got to go. The next one is heaven's wisdom. God's wisdom is impartial. That's as simply as it is. Treating all equally. Yes, there's some that are so far so deep that I'd rather just put them on a ship and send them out to sea and sink it. Right? That's my, my desires that need to be removed. But those people, too, are created in the image of their Heavenly Father. They don't know it, but they are. Again, that doesn't mean we just put up with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm vocal. I'll speak up when something ain't right. But I need to learn to speak up and say it with wisdom. That doesn't mean we don't say nothing. That doesn't mean we just lay down and take the abuse if they're spouting off improper things. But we need to respond in a way that they can't argue and come back against like Jesus would have. The last one. It's without partiality and without hypocrisy. Another version says that the wisdom of God is sincere. And sincere means free from adulteration, marked by genuineness. Free from adulteration. And I wanted to define adulteration. We kind of know what that is, but it almost doesn't seem like it fits here. Adulteration is the action of making something poorer in quality by the addition of another substance. That ain't the definition for pure. The action of making something poorer in quality by the addition of another substance. You have something pure. I was going to bring in here, I probably should have, Plato. Coda, our boy. Every time you sit him down with Plato, you tell him, don't mix them. Don't mix them. You'll ruin them. I'll have to throw them away. Don't mix them. You walk around the corner, you come back, there's 14 colors mixed together. I swear every time. He has lost his rights to play with Plato for weeks. And then he finally gets them back. 30 seconds later, he gone done mixed them again. Think about it. You mix Plato together. You take one pure color. And you put a little speck of this, a little speck of that. Before you know it, you've got this jumbled up mess of all these different colors. And the hardest part is you can't get that back apart. You could. If you sat down and spent hours digging through that, peeling little pieces off, separating them, little flecks, I suppose you'd have to go as far as a pair of tweezers and even maybe a scalpel to separate some of those little tiny pieces. But you could probably get there but it's just Play-Doh, so we chuck it. (laughs) Go get more Play-Doh. But that's the beauty of God, and that's the beauty of his wisdom. As we go out and we take this pureness that God has given us, and we start to mix a little of this, a little self-seeking, a little bit of pride, maybe some envy comes in, a little bit of lust, these little things start coming in and become blemishes, flex upon us. And before we know it, we're just a jumbled up mass of impurity. No longer are we that pure vessel of honor that he needs and wants us to be, to be useful for him. And it's hard for him to use us to the level he even wants to because of those impurities hindering us. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He never changes that. He always has, always will, and he will always bless you as much as he can. That's never going to be an issue. But I don't want to just have just enough. I don't want to just make heaven. I don't want to skid in the home plate all beat the tar and run out of any juice left rolling head over heels to the last mark. Thank God I made it. I can't walk anymore, but I made it. I want to be a vessel of honor, useful for the master. And while we take a chunk of Play-Doh because it doesn't hold much value and chuck it, God will take the time to sit there with a fine instrument and peel those little things out and start to remove them. And he does that from 
us being in the Word and us being in His presence. And this last week, as I've spent time with God, I have hardly said a word. And I've just sat there quiet, lots of times just weeping because I see these impurities. And he's starting to show them to me and how that, that see that? That ain't going to work. It's like, yeah, that's not going to work. I've held pretty dear to that for a long, long time because I thought it was okay and I was getting by with it. Didn't think that big of a deal of it because I was getting by with it. I knew, always knowing it, maybe it wasn't perfect, but I was getting by with it. Well, there's a calling to go deeper with God right now. There's a calling to step in further to the things of God and to prepare, prepare, prepare. This is the preparation process that he's talking about. You know, pastor's been teaching us prepare, prepare, prepare. God wants to move in this earth like never before. I've said this over and over and over again. This is the greatest time to be alive as a Christian because God is going to move in a way that we've never experienced and this earth has never seen before. His prophets are saying that. I'm not making that up, but I already knew it in my heart. And I want to be in a place to be used of him. I want to be a vessel of honor, holy, acceptable, set apart for him, useful for him. And I can't do that with these little flecks. And like I said, I feel like I've been on the table, the operating table all week. And these things are getting cut and removed. It's not necessarily a painful process. Like, it's painful because I just, as I start to identify it, I see how much impurities there are and how bad I want them gone. And so you start to go through that process and God starts to remove those things one by one. He's a gentle surgeon. He doesn't just come in with a chainsaw and start hacking you to pieces because there wouldn't be much of me left. But he does it and he regenerates. He restores. He rejuvenates. And he brings life back to those things that were once dead. The bones begin to rattle and that's what's going on in my spirit my bones are rattling the dead ones that have been dead for years because of impurities that I've placed within there are coming to life and I don't want to miss this and so I prepare I do my part I want to get to know God more and I want to be able to respond with God's wisdom and not Brad's wisdom because that's mixed not pure, and God can't use it to the level that he wants to. I won't make you turn there for the sake of time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I cry out all the time, God, I want to see you move. God, I want to see you glorified here on this earth. God, I want to see you magnified by your works. I want to see you move in this land. I want to see your power demonstrated in this land. I want to see these things. But blessed are those that are pure in heart. It's going to be hard to see a lot of those things if we're cluttered up and our vision's cluttered up by impurities. So we need a heart that is unmixed with other matter can only have his matter in there those other things that we mix in there and and don't get me wrong even if you purified now you're going to let other things in but we just need to learn to identify them and quickly get them back out they don't set root as it spoke of in timothy a root of bitter envy it's a root it takes place and it sets down deep and sometimes those can be hard to get out if we let them stay there but if we remove them quickly they don't have a chance to do that James 4, 8, draw near to me, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's really what it is, double-mindedness. When we have impurities in there, when we speak God's wisdom, but we put a little bit of our own personal touch on it, it's double-minded. It's not God's mind all the way. It's not pure. It's mixed with other matter. Hebrews 10.22, and this will be the last scripture I give you. 
wasn't the one I thought it was. Two more. Let us draw near, Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near with a true heart or a pure heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and, and bodies washed with pure water. So once again, our hearts need to be true. Our hearts need to be pure. And the last one, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Why don't you go ahead and turn there and we'll finish on this one. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15. says in verse 14, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That kind of summarizes the whole works there. We pursue peace. One of the, one of the things of wisdom, one of the definitions of godly wisdom is peace. We're peace-loving. It's peace-loving. We're speaking peace. We're pursuing peace, without which no one will see the Lord. If you're not pursuing peace with other people... If you're, if you're allowing your offense to spew your mouth off in negative ways and say things that are mixed and unpure, you're not going to see God. I mean, you'll see him. He'll be there. He's not going to leave you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But you're, you're missing out. You're going to miss out. Things are going to happen in days ahead. You're going to miss out. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this become defiled. Oh, how quickly I become defiled. Oh, wretched man that I am, as Paul said. I've related to that scripture quite well this week. Oh, wretched man that I am, because I start seeing how defiled I, I can allow myself to become so quickly by letting these impurities into my heart and into my life. And it's not going to do me any good. So more often than not, zip the lip. It ain't going to do you any good. Because again, to argue with a fool just makes you a fool. But instead, step back. Yield. And look for that peace-loving, submissive, pure, unmixed with any other matter answer that would be God's wisdom to speak to them. And if you don't have one, Leave it alone. Because it ain't going to do any good to bring some more impurity into your heart, to, to further drive a root of bitterness. You know, I've often said it. If, you know, because people, sometimes people dispute that God's even real. You know, there's no argument to me that God's real. I mean, I've experienced God that in levels that there's no arguing that. But some people argue that God's even real. And I say, you know what? At least, even if he's not real, I'm going to go through life, get to the end, check out, lights out, game over, it's all done. But at least I have gone through life enjoying it a whole lot better because of a hope, because of a desire to live right, a desire to live well, a desire to live pure. But God is real, and his blessings are exceedingly abundant, and they chase after me and overtake me, as his word says. So we don't need to get all bent out of shape if we don't have an answer. You know, just sit back and enjoy life. Don't allow the impurities in. And I do want to provide an opportunity because, okay, we can preach a message like this and send you out the door and distractions come and those impurities just stay put. Has this registered for anybody today? For me, it has just been all week a breaking point for me all week because I just so want to see God. I want to see God move. I know that he is the answer to all the hatred in this land. I know that he is the answer to all the political problems in this land. If God gets on the scene and the power of God starts flooding this earth, there is nothing, nobody that can stop it. Nobody. Not even us. We will get ran over or get on board. And I want to be on board. And I know that God is going to flood this land like never before. And all of these petty things that seem like huge 
horrible issues are just going to dissolve. So many of these corrupt people will either have to come to their knees and beg for forgiveness, which God will grant them, and so will we, right? God will grant them, or they will have to run. They will have to get so far away because God's presence will become thick in this land, and there's no avoiding it. And they will have to get the hoo out of here. And either way, that problem don't exist no more, does it? Now, I don't desire that they just disappear and go rotten hell, as some might express to some people. That's not God's heart. That's not God's will. His will is that everyone come to the saving knowledge of his son. But either way, the problem's going to get dissolved. And so we need to seek God. We need to become vessels of honor that we can be used to allow God to start spewing his wisdom out instead of us spewing out a tainted version of it. And that's what's going to start to change things. Our hearts become revived. We become vessels of honor. We're in position to go out and to battle against that stuff properly and not make a mockery of the things of God, right? So that's my heart's cry. So I've got a song, just kind of a quiet song, and it speaks of this. I just want to take a few minutes as an opportunity as we close here today. It's only five after, so we're doing all right. To give you an opportunity to just get quiet with God. And if there are things in your heart, or if there's things that's come up here this morning, ask him to skillfully, surgically remove those things. And work with him on it. Don't run from him on it. Don't hide it from him. We aren't hiding nothing from God. And just allow him an opportunity to do surgery this morning and to remove some of those things. Amen. Purify. 